As a medical professional, you're probably consumed by your work. Because of that, you likely miss out on big opportunities to protect and grow the wealth you work so hard for. Luckily, through passive real estate investing, you can place your capital in the hands of trusted syndicators who do all the legwork while you sit back and let your money work for you. Syndicators like Ascent Equity Group. Ascent Equity Group is led by three medical professionals turned full-time real estate investors who have secured a quarter of a billion dollars in assets in just three years. And their latest opportunity, Sunrise and Chandler, is open now. Sunrise and Chandler is an exciting 177-unit value-add multifamily opportunity in the affluent city of Chandler, Arizona. This Class B asset in a Class A location was secured at a significant discount and is already cash flowing out of the gate, with 89% of the units still in need of renovation. Sunrise and Chandler is close to meeting its capital raising goal and will be closing soon. So if you'd like to learn more, visit ascentequitygroup.com forward slash best deal to schedule a call. That's A-S-C-E-N-T equitygroup.com slash best deal. This opportunity is open to accredited investors only. Consistent pipeline of residents to move into his apartment. And he was saying how they pay the first month and the last month, the security deposit all up front. And it's just super smooth. So I thought that was kind of a little bit different than partner with a local restaurant, but partner with like a local church or something. Best ever listeners, we have launched bestevercauses.com. That's bestevercauses.com. We profile a nonprofit or a cause that is near and dear to our heart, get the word out about their cause, and also donate money towards their cause. If you'd like to, one, learn more about the causes that we're profiling, we do one a month, then go to bestevercauses.com. And if you want to suggest a cause that we profile that is near and dear to your heart, then go to bestevercauses.com and there's a little form at the bottom of the page where you can submit one and we'll check it out. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff. Today is follow along Friday. We got listener questions and a couple updates and one big update, one new website section that we have launched. I'm very, very excited about it because I know it's going to add a lot of value to passive investors who are looking to learn more about apartment syndication and investing in apartment syndication. So we'll get to that and all the other stuff we normally get to. Joined by Theo Hicks, like I normally am on Follow Along Fridays. Theo, how you doing, my friend? Doing great. It's good to be back in the country and good to be back on Follow Along Fridays. We missed last week because I was out of the country. So I've got my France shirt on today to represent my recent trip. (laughs) That's right. That's right. Well, welcome back. And I hope you enjoyed everything. Real quick, what was the number one highlight from your trip? Oh, it has to be doing a tour at the Vatican City at 6 a.m. And there was only eight of us in the entire city, besides obviously people that live there and work there. It was an amazing experience getting to see it before it had 20, 30, 40,000 people wandering around. Wow. That is incredible. You mentioned that to me when you got back, and that's the way to do it. That's Mm -hmm. for sure. Well, what are we going to be doing on Follow Along Friday today? So as you mentioned, we've got a couple of questions from the listeners. And the first one is going to be probably the main topic of conversation today, which is, as you can tell by the title, about the exit strategy for apartment investing or apartment syndicators. And the question was from Johnny. He said that he owns 74 units across two complexes right now. And both of them were built in the mid-60s. And when he initially bought them about four years ago, 
He put a five-year loan on it, and it's coming due early next year. So his question was, is should he sell the property and buy a new property that is newer? He said in the 80s. Or should he refinance? So I think it'd be great, just based on this question, to kind of have a conversation around, how do you know when it's time to sell an apartment? And I know you sold a couple of apartments already, so maybe you could walk us through the decision you made to sell. I know you've also refinanced a couple of properties, and so you know maybe you can talk about why you refinanced as opposed to selling. And then maybe we can even add in there, what are some reasons why you would do neither of those and just kind of hold on to the property and not sell, even if it is at the end of your business plan. So I said a lot there. So you can kind of take it however you want. <laughs> well, to Johnny is Johnny. the listener's name. Okay. To directly address Johnny's question, the answer is that I don't know what you should do because there's not enough information mm-hmm. that you provided in order to tell you what I recommend you do. So there's your answer, like it or not. <laughs> Sorry. But what I can do to help you out, I don't want to leave you just hanging like that, is talk about some considerations and help talk through some of these things to think about. And then based on where you land on one end or the other, then you can make an educated decision to decide what you should do. So you basically got a couple properties in total, 70, how many units? 72? 74 units. You got 74 units built in the 1960s. Your loans come and due, and you're asking, what should you do? Should you sell and buy something newer, or should you refinance? Well, first is understanding what type of marketability your current properties have and how much equity do you have in them. So what I would do is I would get a broker's opinion of value for your properties and determine based on that, what would the market be able to bring you from a sales standpoint? And then where does that net you out on your overall profitability for the project? And then Also, talk to a lender or even better, a mortgage broker and see what you could get with a new loan on the property. And ideally, if you can get a similar amount back out from a new loan, because again, I don't know what your business plan was when you purchased them and what you've done to execute on that business plan. But if you did a value add play, then your property is worth significantly more now that it's four years later than when you purchased it because you've increased NOI. So maybe you can get back all of the money that you originally put into it on this new loan. And I would look to do that most likely because if you can keep the property and then get what you put into it out of it and then use that to invest in another deal, well, that's great because on a refinance, that's tax-free money. So you're getting that money out of the property because that is your money and you're able to redirect it towards another property. But if the sale does look like it's the way to go based on what you can get for the property compared to keeping it, then I suggest doing a 1031 exchange. So either way, you're not fixing and flipping the property in four and a half years. You're using this property and you're keeping it in your portfolio on the refi or new loan. Or when you sell, you're not keeping the portfolio, but you are keeping the equity and you're not paying taxes on it because you're doing 1031 exchange. The last option that I would look at is 
selling the property and not doing a 1031 exchange and then reinvesting that into a 1980s product. And I assume you're saying 1980s product because that's the type of properties that Mm -hmm. we talk about on the show. That's the type of properties that my company, Ashcroft Capital, buys and that tends to be the best value at property. I assume you're, you're talking about it because of that reason, which I agree with, obviously. Mm-hmm. So next steps, one is talk to a mortgage broker, see what type of financing you can get on the property and what type of equity you'd get back out if you kept it. Two, talk to a commercial broker and get a broker's opinion of value. Maybe talk to one or two, maybe three, and get a broker's opinion of value and see what you could get on the sale, see what the proceeds would be, and then talk to the same broker and say, well, if I sell this, I need the 1031 exchange and something else. What do you got? You still have a window of time to identify that. Even if you decide you're going to sell but don't have the property, that's fine. But the window does shorten up. So ideally, you have some properties identified prior to even selling it because then you have obviously a longer lead time to identify what you're exchanging into. And then the last option, in my opinion, would be to sell and not do a 1031 and put your money into another property. So those are some considerations that I would take a look at. And that's the thought process I would take. It's definitely hard to give them a precise answer just because we don't know, you know how much equity he has in the deal, where this is even at. I'm glad you added that last part because I was going to add that on afterwards and say, hey, you also have to know that you can buy something afterwards because you don't want to just sell it and then have that big lump of cash that you end up getting taxed on if you can't find a property in time. So that's definitely something important. You want to make sure that you can buy this 1980s product in your target market or wherever you're looking to buy. Because me, I'm, I'm a math nerd, so I would kind of do exactly what you said. I'd break out a spreadsheet. I'll do basically do two scenarios, sell and then refinance and figure out how much money I would get from both of those scenarios and then what I could use that money for and how much money I would gain on both those scenarios, keeping in mind that by keeping the property, you're also going to be netting cash from that property and the other one and figuring out which one's the best mm-hmm. option from a return standpoint. Conceptually, it's a pretty simple process, but depending on Johnny's unique situation, maybe he wants out earlier, maybe he's looking mm-hmm. for longer term, or maybe the business plan failed on these 74 units or maybe it was really successful. So there's all sorts of different variables, but absolutely create that spreadsheet that Theo would create and just do that analysis. Yeah. It's kind of a little bit off of Johnny's specific question. It's something more along the the same lines. Let's say that he got a five-year loan and this is year two. What types of things do you do in the middle of a business plan to see if it makes sense to sell the property early? Well, we're constantly talking to brokers. And well... (laughs) Brokers are constantly talking to us and we're (laughs) responding to brokers and they're constantly saying, I can get you XYZ conservative and I can get you XYZ aggressive for the property. And we had three properties. We just sold one with one investor and we have two other properties with one investor. And the broker recently came to us and said, I can get you X for these two properties. And tomorrow I'm writing an email to that one investor who is our only limited partner in these two deals. Mm -hmm. And I'm letting him know, hey, you can make a whole lot of money if we sell at this point in time. Conservatively, this is what they can bring from a buyer standpoint. And we'll make our projections based on that. But just so you know, aggressively, this is what the broker is also saying that he can get 
on the open market for these two deals. So we'll base our projections on the conservative broker's opinion of value, but we'll tell the investor, hey, this is what we conservatively get. So not sure what he's going to decide to do, even though it's the same structure as all of our other deals, since we only have one investor in that deal. We talk to him more because it's just a lot easier to collaborate with one person versus 125. So we'll see. But it's ultimately just getting the broker's opinion of value on a consistent basis, which won't really be a challenge once you have relationships with brokers because they want to sell the deal, right? They want to make their commission. And also being aware, just being savvy about where you're at with the business plan. If we were to complete 100% of all of our renovations, then it's a different buyer than if we were to complete 50% of our renovations. But can we get the same returns that we're looking for with our investors if we complete 50% versus 100%? So you're always kind of balancing, first off, capital preservation, first and foremost. So we want to make sure we're maintaining a conservative nature with the deal. But then, assuming that's taken care of, then what type of returns can we get for investors now versus if we held on to it? In some cases, you might get an offer two years into it that is very close to the offer you would get in four years. Mm. So then time value of money, if we 1031 into a new deal, grow the capital with a sale and then 1031 to another deal, investors make out like crazy and it's much better. So it's just a balancing act and it's being aware of your business plan and where you're at as well as market conditions and having relationships with professionals in those markets who give you good intel so that you can decide what to do with that intel. Okay, that makes sense. So for anyone who's at the point where they're ready to sell their apartment community, we've talked about how you get to the point where you're ready to sell. But once you're actually ready to sell, we've got a blog post entitled Eight Step Process for Selling Your Apartment Community. And it goes through in detail the eight steps to sell your apartment and all the different things that are involved. And it kind of starts with what Joe is talking about. Be mindful of the market and make sure that you've talked to brokers, gotten that broker opinion of value, and having that conversation with your investors. And then from there, you've got just notify your lender and so on and so forth. So make sure you check out that blog post when you're ready to sell for more details. What do they search for to Uh, find that blog post? It's eight-step process for selling your apartment community. All right, If you you, you just Google that, it'll show up. Cool. So that answers Johnny's question. And again, I think that's a really good question and it can really be applied to more than just apartments when you're thinking about selling a single family or for me personally, like my four units. And when do I sell a four unit building? So I think some of the information you've talked about will help me think about that down the road. So the next question is from uh, Sigrid. And they had a very unique question. Essentially, he lives at a retirement community and he's a part of the, kind of the HOA for the resident program at this community. And he wants to put together a resident appreciation event for any type of resident at the community that's done something in service of the community. So he was asking us, what would be a low-cost way to recognize the people as community? Now, the reason why I like this question is because this is something that as landlords, as apartment investors or single-family investors, different ways that you can do things for your residents to promote their retention. I know that, Joe, your company does monthly events for the residents. Yep. And so I thought that kind of going over what you do would help Sigurd have a few ideas of what he can do at his community. We actually have a blog post on this as well. It's called Awesome Resident Recognition Ideas. And 
again, I know that Sigurd was specifically asking for low cost. I'm not necessarily sure what that means. I'm not sure if it means like a dollar or like a thousand dollars. So I'm going to go over this list. Guessing closer to a dollar. (laughs) Yeah. Or free. Yeah. Right. Or free. So here are a couple of ideas of things that Sigurd can do, but also that you can do if you're managing apartments and want your residents to like living there. So this is what you have in the list. And then I'll go over a couple of other things as well. One is to create a community garden. That could even be something that you guys do as a community. Instead of just you hiring someone to go in there and do it, it could be an actual event where people get together and do that. I actually, <laughs> the neighborhood I used to live in, I know one of the guys in our neighborhood wanted to do that. And it's actually a, a property down the street from where I live now, where there's a community garden that people all plant their vegetables in and stuff like that. So that's something you can do at your retirement community. <laughs> You've got on here five crispy dollar bills. Paying that is always an option. Of course, you want to have a thank you note with that as well. But if you don't just want to drop off a $5 bill at their front porch, you're going to be kind of confused. Um, so that's a solution. You can do a handwritten thank you card. Here's one that I, that I like. You could have a portrait drawn of the family. Or if you're the retirement community, you can be a portrait of their grandkids. They can get a picture of one of these people, send it to someone on Fiverr.com, and they can draw a picture for 5 bucks. That's pretty inexpensive. That's really close to that dollar mark. And I'm sure they would greatly appreciate that. <laughs> we've got give everyone a scratch off lottery ticket with a nice note because that way you pay one dollar for a lottery ticket and who knows maybe they'll hit the jackpot and they'll reinvest that money into the community another one which is what my real estate agent actually did when we bought our house which is a cutting board you get a cutting board and put your contact information on that or your property management's contact information on that so that whenever they're cooking a nice meal it's gonna remind them of you you know the other reason why you get them a cutting board why so they don't cut up your counters. There you go. Save your countertops. <laughs> yep. That's a good point. And then the last thing on this list is to partner with a local restaurant to offer them free food or discounted food. So that's something that you literally just go there and, and ask what they want to do that for you. And obviously they're going to want to do that because you're going to be referring hundreds of people to their restaurant. Now I've done that before. Personally, I created business cards and on the business card, it wasn't my business. It was a resident. I forget what I called it. Actually, it was just a resident card. That's what it was. And it said, I'm a resident of XYZ property. And you showed that to local business owners and it got you discounts. So I personally went to these local businesses and talked to them about giving the residents at this property discounted stuff. Mm -hmm. Probably had about a 15% success rate on converting the local businesses. But from that 15%, it resulted in referrals from that business to our property. So we would get referrals from these business owners. Their employees would live at our property. It wasn't even a pipeline until I made that connection and they loved it. And one of them was Dickie's Barbecue, by the way. So props to Dickie's. And I actually met Mrs. Dickie and had a couple conversations with them. But separate from that, it was Dickie's Barbecue, which is a franchise. This is a franchise owner I was working with. And they got lots more business, a lot more people eating barbecue coming from our property. And they loved it. And in turn, once they saw success, they started referring people to us and their employees to us. And we started getting employees living on our property. So if you do that one, expect not to get a lot of conversions because 
People are going to be confused about what you're doing. They won't have the authority to say, yes, I'll do this thing or just too much red tape or blah, blah, blah. But with some entrepreneurial companies in your area, they're going to love it. And they'll also in turn, once they see some new business resulting from this, they'll start sending people your way. It sounds like this strategy might work a little bit better for smaller local family owned restaurants. I like think so. Like, like yeah. Instead of going to McDonald's, you have a hard time doing it, doing it at McDonald's, but right. um, smaller yeah. local ones. I have a very similar example. Joey, my friend in Cincinnati, you know how like the Mormons will go to some neighborhoods and they'll talk to you at your front door. And he did this it was a year ago, I think. And then he happened to buy a property. And when he went to visit the property, he, he noticed that the church across the street is the church that those Mormon boys came from. So he went across there and talked to the person that's in charge of the Mormon boys that come in to uh, do their mission. And he's mentioned that he bought a property across the street and the guy's like, oh, that's great. We just have two new people coming in or looking for a place to live. So is it available? And so he's like, oh, of course it's available. So now he's got a consistent pipeline because yeah. lasts about a year or two and then they're gone. He's got a consistent pipeline of residents to move into his apartment. And he was saying how they pay the first months and the last months, the security deposit, all up front and she's super smooth. So I thought that was kind of a little bit different than partnering with a local restaurant, but partner with like a local church or something. Uh-huh. Absolutely. Ab- yeah, absolutely. So it's a win-win. So then back to, to Sigrid's specific question, a couple other things that I know you guys do for your monthly resident appreciation events are things that are you kind of get creative and do holiday themed events. So for Valentine's Day, have a Valentine's Day card making station in the clubhouse. So it's somewhere they can just go to get markers and cars and they can write their, their Valentine's Day cards. Same thing around Christmas time, like a gift wrapping event where you supply wrapping paper and everyone comes in there and wraps their gifts. You can have like a Halloween costume party. That'll get a lot of people involved. So kind of just being creative and thinking about what time of the year is it and then providing some sort of event or gift that way. Yep. Ultimately, it's about creating a sense of community and having the community be stronger together so that people want to live there and bring their friends because when they bring their friends and family, then they'll live there longer. They want to be around those who they enjoy being around. And if it's a close commute, i.e. the building next door, then to hang out with their friends and family, then that's going to be pretty amazing for them. They'll stick around longer. You'll make more money. Exactly. So, so Sigrid, we, we provided you with a lot of different examples of things that you can do at your community. And again, if you want the list that I just discussed, the blog post is Awesome Resident Recognition Ideas. So if you Google that or if you go to joefairless.com and search for that, you can read that blog post and be going into a little bit more detail than we did on this show today. So those are the two listener questions. As you mentioned at the beginning, we've got an announcement to make. We've got a new resource that we're very, very excited to launch. Uh, it actually just launched today. Call it launched like three minutes, like not three minutes <laughs> ago, but 23 minutes ago or something. Yeah. yeah. What's the URL best passive and what is it? Best ever passive investor.com. Best, best ever passive investor.com. Best ever passive investor.com. That website's for you. If you are considering investing in apartment communities passively, that website is for you if you currently are investing in apartment communities passively and you would like to learn about additional questions you could ask sponsors 
when you're considering investing with them or in their opportunities. It was created because there is a need for it and there isn't anything like it out there. I've had a couple investor conversations where afterwards they say, it sounds great. And while I wait for a new deal that you have, is there a resource or a place you recommend I go read or look at or listen to that has information about how I can think about and be prepared to invest in apartment syndications? And the short answer is there wasn't one. Mm-hmm. Now there is. So we've got this website, besteverpassiveinvestor.com. It's broken out into three categories. One is identifying if active or passive investing is the right approach for you. So which one is it, passive or active? So that's one, is knowing yourself and your goals. And the second is terminology. So I went cross-eyed, you I'm sure went cross-eyed, and Samantha also (laughs) went cross-eyed on this because we got into the details on all the different terms for apartment syndication. And even if you're an active apartment syndicator wanting to actively put together deals, besteverpassiveinvestor.com is going to be useful for you because we have listed out all the terms that you need to be familiar with and define them on this website. And in a lot of cases, given examples, and in most cases, given a blog posts or other resources, you can click and read more about for each of these terms. And I don't know how many terms we did, but... What? 64. 64 terms. Okay, 64 terms with examples and some additional resources. And then the third section is questions to ask the general partner. And not only is there questions to ask the general partner, we don't leave you hanging, but also thoughts about how to think about what type of answer you're looking for. And then again, additional resources to read more about that particular thing. So the word that comes to mind is congratulations. (laughs) Like congratulations, we now have something out there that is going to be incredibly useful for passive investors who are looking to read more on this stuff. Active sponsors who want to learn the business and learn about the types of questions they will be asked by passive investors. And then people who are currently investing just maybe sharpen up on some terms or whatever you want to do. So very excited about that. And congrats to our team and congrats to everyone who gets to check this stuff out because it's going to be very useful and it's much needed. Yeah, I actually think at my last meetup group, someone mentioned that they were asking me how they wanted to passively invest in apartment syndications. And then they know that I work on a team that does that. And she wanted to ask me a bunch of questions. And I was like, well, lucky for you, Mm -hmm. (laughs) we're actually coming out with an amazing resource here in the next couple of weeks that are going to answer questions you have and probably answer questions that you didn't realize you even had to ask. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I'm looking forward to sending that link to her so she can educate herself on that. Yep. That's great. So again, that is besteverpassinvestor.com. To wrap things up, Joe, everyone who's listening, make sure you guys go and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Guys and girls. Guys and girls. Every single week. I know. There's actually a Facebook comment about that <laughs> last week too. And, and you know who commented on it? You. A female. Oh yeah. I think she's the one that actually posted it. Um, <laughs> I think it was Carolyn. <laughs> yeah, I think it was Carolyn. So... Guys and girls, please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and leave a review for your opportunity to be the review of the week, which we'll read live on the podcast. This week's review came from Lala Meme 5 
the title of their review was Fave and Straight to the Pony. I think they meant straight to the point, but I like straight to the pony better. And they said, this is the first real estate podcast I subscribe to, and it has been hard for others to beat it as my favorite. Joe is straightforward, asks great questions, and there really is no fluff. Who has time for fluff anyway? Great tips, questions, and interviews. Thanks. What was it, Lala Mimo 5 or something? Yeah. Thanks for that. I appreciate it, and... I respect your time and I appreciate that you have identified that I respect your time. So thank you for taking time out of your day to write a thoughtful review and everyone else, best ever listeners, please write a review that will help us continue to get high quality guests on the show and help you make more money, help you learn business models and plans and ways to save money and ways to make money and all that good stuff. So thanks so much for listening today and looking forward to talking again tomorrow. Best ever listeners, we have launched bestevercauses.com. That's bestevercauses.com. We profile a nonprofit or a cause that is near and dear to our heart, get the word out about their cause, and also donate money towards their cause. If you'd like to, one, learn more about the causes that we're profiling, we do one a month then go to bestevercauses.com. And if you want to suggest a cause that we profile that is near and dear to your heart, then go to bestevercauses.com. And there's a little form at the bottom of the page where you can submit one and we'll check it out. What is your return on life? Do you struggle with investing for a safe return? American Real Estate Investments specializes in passive income real estate investing through single family rentals, private money lending, and international vacation rental properties. Visit them at A-R-E-I-U-S-A dot com. That's A-R-E-I-U-S-A dot com.